It is, well, 25 minutes to the top of the hour. You are listening to uh, the Friday edition of The Talking Point, the Heritage Day Celebration Edition. And we're speaking to Sand Parks, understanding the organization, understanding the story that Sand Parks, uh, you know, tells the contribution they make towards our national identity, our national story, and what it means to be South African and of African descent as we zoom into Heritage Day. I want to speak to a socio-ecologist at Sandbox, Jeremiah Machavi, who is uh, joining us on the line right now. Jeremiah, what if what if I, you know, I, I don't like animals. This I'm afraid of animals. I don't particularly like plants. I've got sinuses. I'm going to sneeze. Do, do, should I? Is there still something for me to experience at the Kruger? Yes, there's quite a lot that you can uh, experience. And uh, first of all, thank you. Uh, for hosting me in your uh, radio, SAFM, and I'm so grateful to talk to you and to the public as well. And and yes, there is a lot that you can experience in Kruger. Kruger is an iconic, you know, um, wildlife paradise where people from all over the world are coming here uh, to experience tourism activities, you know, watching wildlife, and uh, including people that are coming locally. And you mm. are one of the local people that we would like to see in Kruger National Park. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's it's yeah. definitely one of my favorite holiday destinations in South Africa. Outside yeah. of and outside of that, and and, and more seriously, wh- wh- what is on offer? I mean, there are some interesting uh, restaurants in the Kruger area that I've that I've been to. So food is, a, is 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 has always been an attraction for me to the area. Uh, what what else is on offer uh, that I can enjoy specifically if I'm bringing the family along? Uh, there are a number of things that you can enjoy apart from food. I know that most people like, you know, eating. Um, but um, coming to Kruger Park, you can come for leisure and uh, for tranquility and for you to, to watch wildlife. And, and uh, Kruger National Park is home of the big five. And it's also home for the small five. And, 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 and Sorry, what's, what's, what's the small five? I've never heard of that. <laughs> Yeah, that is interesting. Uh, the small five depicts the, the big five. And when we look at them, they, they, we perceive that they look like the big five. I'll give you an example of, of um, um, a rhino. We have a rhinoceros beetle. There is a beetle that looks like a rhino. So we call it a rhinoceros beetle. And then we have an Oh, that, the rhino beetle. I've heard of that. I just didn't know it was categorized as the small five. <laughs> okay, what else is there in the small five? This is interesting. And then we have an elephant shrew. That also, it, look, it looks like depicts an, an elephant. And then we have a bird. We call it a, 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 a buffalo weaver. It, 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 it resembles a, a buffalo as well. And then we have a leopard tortoise. If you look at, at the spots of it on the shell here, they depict like the spots of a, of a leopard. Oh, wow. And That's it, very and interesting. Then we, yes, and we have an anti-lion. Um, it also you know, looks like it's, 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 it's a lion. Mm. And um, yeah, that, that's all about the, the small five. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'll tell you this. In my life, I've been to maybe four or so uh, game drives in the Kruger. Not once have I seen all of the big five on a single drive. Uh, yeah, not not once. I might I might see, uh, you know, a rhino. I might see a cheetah. Um, I might see a buffalo, but I'll never see lions. Are easy to spot there. There's a lot of them, um, you know. But I'll never see all of them all at once on the same drive. I've never in my life. I'll tell you this. I've never in my life seen a leopard. 
mm-hmm. why is that? Uh, there is, there is, there are some couple of reasons. Um, 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 and, and I know that most people, when they come to the park, the moment they enter the, the gate, they want to see all these animals everywhere uh, because they heard about them and they heard that there is a lot of these animals in the, in the park. So basically, when you, you enter the park, the park has got different biomes. Biomes meaning that there's a different vegetation type and there's a different type of soil that you find in a particular area. Right. So animals, animals will go where there is food in most cases. Herbivores, for example, and that feed on grass, and they will go where there is a lot of grass. Animals that feed on leaves, they'll be going where there is their, their woodland where they can feed on leaves. So therefore, they, they, they move from one place to the other. So if you are a visitor to the park, you may likely be coming in and not seeing them because they are far away from where you usually drive. Right. Lions, for example, they are carnivores. They will go where there is food for them. They will be chasing the the, 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 the food, uh, wherever, wherever it goes. So that is why when you came to Kruger National Park, you might not have seen a leopard. Because remember, a leopard is an elusive, uh, you know, cat. It's mostly active at night, where it, it does the hunting, etc., etc. So if you, if, if you do not normally go for a night game drive, you may not likely to see, to see it. Ah. Um, so, yes, yes. That, 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 that is why some of the reasons that you don't see animals all the time when you come to Kruger. But they are there. Mm. That's yeah. that's that's also a... in the weather. If, it, if the weather if the weather is too hot, the animals go to shade where it is, it's quiet and uh, close to waterholes. And then if you drive on on a road that's far from those sides, you may not be be able to see them. That's interesting that you mentioned weather um, and 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 heat patterns. Has climate change been a threat to the operations of the park? Yes, the the, the climate change has in fact uh, uh, caused. Some, 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 some changes, um, um, because um, uh, climate change is a global phenomenon mm. um, that is affecting all of us globally. Um, because of that, tourism is one of the sector sectors that has been affected. Not not only uh, 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 tourism, but also conservation. Remembering that in Kruger National Park, we we are mainly looking at conservation and tourism. Mm. So some of the negative effects of climate change is, is the destabilized ecosystems. Mm. Mm. But stabilized ecosystem, it means that we are going to have less rain. The moment we have less rain, it's going to affect the vegetation. And when we have less vegetation, it's going to affect the animals that feed on the vegetation. We are going to have less water in water holes because the water evaporates easily because it's too hot. Ah, and okay. We are also going to have the death and migration of wildlife species, species that depend on seasons to get food. When you it say migration, do you mean migrating out of the Kruger? No, not not outside the Kruger, but migrating locally. Okay. You know, if certain areas there is no more water, the animals have to walk long distances for them to fetch water. And um, because of the extreme weather increase, it also is also costly for tourism operations because you have to install you know, air conditioning, you have to find means to make tourists, you know, comfortable in, in hot, you know, hot yeah. conditions. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, so, I, I mean, I, I once heard that there's about 2.3 million hectares uh, of land mass in the Kruger, um, and you speak about how expensive these operations can become. So what happens, for instance, when there's a drought 
uh, and there's no water. Do you, is it your responsibility as the park to very specifically go fill those watering holes with water? Uh, yes, we, 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 we have two ways uh, uh, to mitigate such aspects. Uh, one of them is, is natural. Uh, that let's just allow the natural uh, system operate itself. Let's allow the natural system take its course. Right. Because for thousands, if not millions of years, that animals have been here on the planet, we have had um, uh, different uh, climatic changes. And some of them were extreme, some of them were less extreme. And the animals have been able to adapt themselves in such conditions. Yeah. Um, so the second mitigation factor is done by us humans, where we, we may dig water holes uh, to provide water to, to animals. So in Kruger, we have had a number of water holes that were dug in the past to make provisions for water. Mm. Uh, but having, having done a number of research, we have discovered that it, it's not probably good for the ecosystem for us to keep providing water to animals. But let, let, us, let, let, us, let us allow the natural system itself you know, to, to, to solve these problems. Yeah. Because what, what if we were not here? You know? <laughs> yeah, what absolutely. Because we, we remember we were the last species to emerge on the planet Earth. So the yeah. animals have been here for millions of years before us. So they've been managing themselves about that. Yeah. So having, having a piece of land as, as massive as crook of 2 million hectares, you know, how many water holes are you going to dig for the animals to drink? So we said, let's let natural course take take its uh, its place. Yeah, zero eight six triple zero two zero three two zero eight six triple zero three two zero three two. Give us a call. Do you have a question or comment uh, that you'd like to make? I'm on the line with Jeremiah Machabi, who's a socio-ecologist at Sand Parks out in the Kruger. Zero six one four one zero four. 107. That's the number you can use to send us a WhatsApp voice note. But if you want to call us, it's 086-000-2032. I want to take a quick break. On the other side of this, I want to speak to uh, Jeremiah about the various programs uh, that are on at, uh, throughout Sand Parks and in the Kruger in particular, and how you can benefit from uh, those particular programs, some of them being socioeconomic programs that are being facilitated uh, with the surrounding communities of the Kruger Park Um and what's the parks doing to uplift those surrounding communities? But to ask the question up in frontlining, what importance do our parks play in our national story, in our heritage, and in our identity? On the other side of this. Hashtag SAFM Talking Point. Morning, Oliver. I just picked the one point here which your guest is speaking about uh, when he says climate change uh, disturbs the ecosystem. I can argue that it's not the case. Um, climate change and the ecosystem are one. So the problem is uh, ring fencing the ecosystem, uh, limiting their mobility, uh, creating boundaries for animals to move as they respond to the change of climate. Like if the sea temperature levels changes, you ex expect all the fishes to stay within your boundaries or within your dam. That's why they die. So our regulation, must change somehow. Hi, you're speaking to Gabriel from Belcom. I'm calling on behalf of my best friend. Um, he's a ranger, but currently they've been laid off due to mismanagement at one of the parks in Northwest, I think near Port of Stream. Um, I just want to know, is there a formal um, educational 
like facility or some um, learning institution to actually study being a ranger uh, if that is the case can i just have the details of the place so i can just um, forward it to him because he is really in interested in this and wants to pursue it thank you yeah that's a very very interesting question uh jeremiah do you maybe want to respond to that first comment about ring fencing uh, thank you. It's a very interesting question indeed. Um, we, we keep learning um, um, every day. And uh, we as, as humans, we, we have a responsibility to manage natural resources. However, there is always a natural way um, uh, that these natural resources uh, are managing themselves. As I indicated earlier, that before we humans were here on the planet Earth, these animals have been living here for thousands, if not millions of years, and the ecosystem was, was managing itself. So having erected fences, uh, putting up fences, and declaring certain areas as conservation areas and where we keep animals in one place, and we are obviously limiting their movement, and we are limiting their migrations, and we are limiting their, their source of food and the access to, to, to water supply. And, and with the increased climate, climate, climate conditions that are happening now, and most of these climatic conditions are in fact caused by us humans uh, that are burning fossil fuels, for example, that increase the carbon dioxide into the atmosphere, that has a direct effect in the, in the ecosystem. So, yeah. uh, we, so we may have certain, certain mitigation factors to, to, to make that contributions, and we welcome you know, everyone who has a better way to manage these ecosystems. But as I indicated that we, we, we did dig water holes in the past to, to make provisions for water. But scientifically, mm. it's proven that it's, it's not, it's not a, an immediate solution to do that because that will make animals to congregate and come to one place to drink, uh, to come to one, that will cause cell erosion and other factors that may, may, may deteriorate the ecosystem instead of improving it. That's actually very interesting. I haven't thought of that, uh, that you have to think about soil erosion and that sort of stuff. Maybe that, that this is a good segue to that second question around, are there formal education institutions and, and, and programs uh, that people can study or go into if they want to not just become a ranger? I think that's one part of the, uh, the sand parks or the parks ecosystem, right? What else, what other opportunities are there across the value chain? Uh. There is, there is an institution um, um, that, that does or provides training um, for, for, for ranger services and, um, and other uh, nature conservation uh, courses. It's, it's the Southern African Wildlife College uh, that is based in, in Lipopo in, in Hood Strait. Uh, and it's closer to, to Kruger National Park. It's within a conservation area that, that makes it easy um, for, for, for the student to access uh, training sites. Uh, like when they want to start about vegetation, about wildlife, and uh, and and other uh, issues or aspects related to wildlife. So uh, our listener can, in fact, contact the Southern African Wildlife College. They do have their website where he can go into it and 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 inquire more information uh, to get such training opportunities. Yeah. Talk to me, Jeremiah, about the initiatives that the Kruger and Sandparks are, are running to, especially to assist surrounding communities uh, and to uplift those communities uh, that that make up what really is the 
you know, the Kruger Park. I mean, I spoke earlier to uh, to a guest, uh, you know, Ms. Kholele, who told me that she grew up around the Kruger Park and that's why she's a ranger today. Uh, you know, and I imagine that it's important for Sand Parks to take that story into consideration and how it uplifts communities. Uh, in fact, yeah, you, you're right. We, we have to, to do something to uplift communities. And um, uh, there are a number of, of, of aspects or programs that we do uh, in, in Kruger and uh, Sand Parks uh, to improve community um, uh, upliftment. And um, uh, being a Heritage Month, uh, in which we are at the moment. I would probably start with uh, Kruger National Park cultural heritage resources that we have. Kruger National Park, like most of the conservation areas in South Africa, it's, it's a custodian of natural and cultural heritage. And, yeah. and Kruger is also a home to ancient archaeological sites that reflect the heritage left behind by San and, and Bantu people who lived in this area for thousands of years before present. And uh, we, we also have a rich, uh, uh, a richness of oral and written history that must be passed to the next generation. And, and we, as, as, as a park, we facilitate access, uh, access to and use of this cultural significance to local communities and, um, and the public in general in order to conserve and enhance cultural continuity um, of traditional rituals associated with these sites. And mm. so far, we, 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 we have recorded uh, over a thousand uh, cultural sites that include graves, you know, rock art, ruins of prehistoric settlements, uh, fossils, sacred sites, iron smelting sites, historic landmarks, you know, monuments, historic infrastructures, shelters, trade routes, uh, old mines, battlefield, marked trees, and, and, and the foundation of old trading posts. And there are probably other you know, work that has been done that may discover other archaeological sites or cultural sites that may be of interest for us as sun parks and, and be of interest to the public and to the visitors to the park. And if, if I may mention, uh, quite recent, uh, a research has been done by ecologists from the University of Pretoria uh, where they, they discovered the glimpse of historic predecessors that could have lived in the park and traded with other parts of the world. And we, we, we are hoping and believing that more finding facts still have to be captured and recorded for public consumption in the future. Yeah. So, um, yes. No, no, and, no. And again, yes. Uh, and, and Kruger National Park, uh, it, it, it's neighboring with a diverse, you know, cultures like Siswati culture, Shitsonga culture, Chivenda, and, and Sipedi culture. And some of these cultural activities are, in fact, shared with the, with the public and the visitors coming to the park. Yeah. Can I ask you about, because this is so interesting that you mentioned all of these things about the Kruger that just never crossed my mind. When you say you, you would find uh, sacred sites and uh, graves, are, are these like recent graves? Like, tell me the story about that. And... Some, some of these graves, in fact, are, are, are the graves of people who lived in the park before this area was declared a national park. It was declared as a national park in, back in 1926. And before then, there were communities living in Kruger National Park. So when the area was declared as a national park, people were forcefully removed from the park to give way to, to conservation uh, by that colonial, colonial government. 
and the people died here and they were buried here. Uh, however, they, they, their graves uh, were partially marked by their, by their, their predecessors. And um, some of the communities have even claimed land in Kruger National Park. And they are requesting to access those sites uh, for, for cultural reasons, for ritual reasons, and of course for memorial you know, reasons uh, of their ancestors. Mm. So we consider that as, as, as important to local communities to have access to their gravesite of their ancestral people. Mm. I've got a voice note here, which I think is very interesting, that touches on the uh, the role that uh, the Kruger has to play beyond its own borders and perhaps even the borders of South Africa. Have a listen at this. Uh, good morning, Oliver. Now, recently went through the previous trip um, to Zambia, Zimbabwe, Botswana. You know, within that region, um, what I've picked up there is that um, there's the number of human impact that is that is currently taking place within that region. At the same time, you realize that. Um, the communities are not actually benefiting out of the the vast richness of within that within that place there is so much that sadak special south africa botswana namibia zambia and zimbabwe if they can collaborate in, in managing in best managing that, that that region you know but right now it's not happening and yeah. with the human encroachment within those areas so rife we are going to lose the natural species that are within that region thank you and that's very interesting uh is there a regional collaboration between different parks um across the country across uh, sadek uh, that enhances the operations the conservation and the efforts of preserving the natural environment? Uh, yes, if, if I may respond to that, there is uh, international collaboration. Um, uh, in our region here, in, 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 in Kruger in particular, um, the, the three states, member states, uh, South Africa, Zimbabwe, and, and Mozambique, they, they've entered into an agreement uh, to collaborate um, and and in transboundary natural resources management, and and that um, um, agreement has been facilitated by Peace Park Foundation, where uh, the the idea is is to allow movement of of animals between parks, and in this region we we have Kruger National Park in in South Africa, we have Gonerezu National Park in Zimbabwe and we have Lipombo National Park in Mozambique. So the three member states have signed a treaty. Um, remember uh, that year, back in 2002, when Nelson Mandela, our former president, uh, and released a, a couple of elephants to Mozambique. Uh, that was, was during the time that the, 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 the Lipombo Transfrontier Conservation Area uh, was, was, was signed. The agreement was signed where animals could be donated to Mozambique and, and to allow the free movement of animals and creating more space for the, for the animals to, 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 to move. And then the second benefit also would be allowing tourists you know, to access 
Kruger National Park to access Lipumbu National Park in Mozambique and, and Gonorezo in Zimbabwe easily. And the third um, uh, benefit would be uh, the, the socio-economic benefit, where communities that are living adjacent to these, to these areas could also benefit in tourism, they could benefit in small businesses, and they could, could benefit even, even revitalizing their social ties uh, because their neighbors and, and, and their relatives, they know one another. But the, the, the political boundaries set up by colonial governments separated them. Some are living in Mozambique, some are living in Zimbabwe and, 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 and South Africa. So that is an advantage of it as well. Yeah. So, yes. So Absolutely. those are some of the things that we, 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 we have as, as a country and, and, and as a region we have established. And we do also have other such agreements in, in Gaza, TFCA as well, in between, between Zambia, uh, in, uh, Namibia, and, um, and Botswana. And the other one is Khalakhadi between South Africa and, uh, and, and Botswana and Namibia. Those are the transboundary national resources management called TFCAs. Yeah, this sounds incredible, Jeremiah. And I really, really thank you for your work, for preserving our heritage, uh, for conserving our natural environment, uh, and for making sure that uh, what makes Africa so special and so unique stays true to its DNA. Really, really do appreciate it. That's Jeremiah Machawi, who is a socio-ecologist at Sandparks. It is 11 o'clock. Time for your news.